Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this day, Lord, and we give thanks to you for your mighty acts and your great deeds, and we give thanks to you that you are the God of gods and Lord of lords, and uh, we just, uh, we come before you now, Lord, and we just pray that uh, you would prepare our hearts to hear your word, Father. Uh, We lift up the other Sunday school classes as well, uh, that you would be with those leaders uh, and those students, Lord, for those kids. I just pray for their hearts, Father, um, as they're they're learning about you, Lord, just prepare that soil, Lord, and we pray for the salvation of all of our children that are here. Just, uh, we would just want to see them grow up to love you and worship you, Lord. I pray for the service, uh, that you would be uh, with, uh, with the people that are coming, Lord, and especially those that may not know you. Uh, Lord, just be preparing that soil uh, for the seed that's going to be sown as well. And uh, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so hopefully it seems okay. It's not, it's not popping. All right, uh, so if anybody doesn't know, uh, my name is Chris Kidder. Uh, my wife and I have been coming to uh, Cornerstone for about, there it goes. Uh, we, uh, we lead the children's church ministry uh, on, uh, for second service, and uh, we've been leading a care group uh, for probably about five years, I guess. Uh, so this is uh, Mike. Mike was out uh, last night. He was partying with the uh, speech and debate. Uh, it was their last tournament. Uh, and I think they do some after parties uh, afterwards, and he hasn't had the privilege of being able to do that, so he asked me to fill in, and uh, so he didn't have to, to worry about that this morning, so uh, we'll get started. Um, so today we're going to talk about the Psalms, so I don't know if you guys had a chance to see, but uh, the question I asked there is, if the Psalms are poetry, why don't they rhyme, right? So most of us think of poetry, it's like, uh, if roses are red, violets are blue, right? You got the, Joe, you can uh, finish that if you want, right? Uh, but does anybody know, I mean, do we look at the handout, uh, why, the, why the psalms don't rhyme? So it's Hebrew poetry, uh, so we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit. But uh, <coughs> they work in, it works a little differently uh, than our, our Western culture uh, uh, poetry. Uh, so they work in couplets and, and different things. So they'll, they'll, uh, they'll use a couple verses and they'll say the same thing either contrasting or, or, or expounding on a point over, t- over different, uh, saying it a different way uh, as, a, as their type of poetry. Uh, okay, so we're going to start here. We got a pop quiz, all right? So I hope everybody's ready. I need your help. Um, how old are the Psalms? Pretty old. Pretty old, yeah, that's true. What's that? 3,000 years, okay. And how, how much time... Uh, how much time did it cover? Does anybody, uh, does anybody know? When, was, when would the first one be written? Moses. Yeah, so uh, if, we, if you guys remember from uh, uh, Pastor Mike's way to kind of remember the, the, um, the phases of Jewish uh, Old Testament history, so you have from three tree. Anybody remember that one? What's that one? Oh, come on. That's with the exit on it. That's good. Exodus. Exodus. There we go. All the way to nine dime, which would be the post-exilic period. Right. So, so Psalm 90 was written by Moses. And uh, Psalm 126 is written uh, during the, the Babylonian, uh, probably the return from the, the Babylonian captivity, uh, either with Ezra or Nehemiah. Uh, uh, so that, that covers about roughly 900, roughly 900 years of Jewish history. So, all right. Next, maybe. There we go. Who wrote the Psalms? 
A lot of people. Yes, there, there is a lot. Uh, anybody, anybody specific? Justice. David. Okay, yeah, so David uh, wrote about probably half, at least half of the, uh, half of the book. Any others? Brian? What was that? Asaph, yeah. So, the sons of Korah. Solomon? Yeah, I didn't put, so- yeah, I did put him on there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I got Jay Jones right in front, right? That's what it was. Uh, so Moses, we said, Haman, Ethan, and, uh, and Solomon. So um, in 2 Samuel 23, 1, uh, David was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. And so he's responsible for at least half the, half the book of Psalms. Uh, Asaph, Haman, and Ethan were brothers, and they were all picked specifically by David. Uh, you can look at that, First Chronicles 6, uh, verse 33 uh, and following. There's, there's kind of the selection of those guys. They, what they did is they actually stood tent uh, of the tabernacle, or of the, the ark, and they would sing. So their job was to, to sing to the Lord uh, in front of the tent there. Uh, and, and an interesting note, when I was looking it up, Haman and Ethan, I don't even know uh, if I'm saying that right, but uh, they, were, they were pretty smart guys. In 1 Kings 4.31, it's talking about Solomon and uh, about his wisdom. Uh, he's wiser than any king and any, any man. And then it lists like three names, and Haman and Ethan were one of the names. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. That they must have been fairly smart to be compared with the wisest man. Uh, and then uh, Korah, Does anybody, is anybody familiar with, uh, with Korah? Where that comes from? Yeah. No, it was. That's right. So it's kind of an interesting, an interesting thing. So Korah, he rebelled against Moses in the wilderness, and uh, uh, the, the Lord opened the ground and swallowed them up. And uh, when, when he did that, it says in uh, Numbers 26, 9 to 11, that some of his family was actually spared. And so uh, when, the, when the family was spared, they became the, the sons of Korah. And it's kind of this thing of turning from wickedness to righteousness. So uh, they left Korah and the false doctrines that he was teaching, and they were spared. And then they, became, uh, they kind of became uh, a picture of turning from wickedness to righteousness. And so uh, in, in 2 Samuel, it's kind of the name of the, the new band, uh, the sons of Korah. And actually, there, I looked it up. There is like a folk band or something. It's the, the sons of Korah, so... Uh, all right, so here we go. What are the Psalms? So we know it's a book in the Bible, the longest book, right? But what are they? Praises, Praises sure. Hymns. hymns, yeah, yeah, hymns, prayers, songs, right. So uh, it's a, maybe, there it goes. So it's a, I can't find good help. All right, so it's a collection of prayers, hymns, and songs. Uh, in the Hebrew, the text, uh, the title is simply praises. Uh, the, the word that they use is, uh, I, I'm going to not say it correctly, but it's mizmor, and it's used only in the Psalms, and it comes from a verb to make music. Uh, and then the Septuagint, the name, they gave it the name Psalms, uh, and basically uh, that kind of means plucking or uh, twanging of strings. So... All right, so now we'll take a look here. Let's see. Maybe. There we go. What are different types of psalms? So if you think of some psalms, they kind of have, they can fall into a category, a few different categories. Does anybody have any idea what, uh, what those categories might be? Justice? What's that? Encouragement? Sure. Sure. 
Imprecatory. And that means... Sounds awesome. All right. <clears throat> and, yeah. Angry prayers. <laughs> yeah. So here's a, here's a list, right? So lament. Uh, it's express need for God's deliverance. Uh, thanksgiving. Uh, make aware of God's blessing and express thanks. Praise is to identify and magnify God's greatness. Uh, enthronement is to describe God's sovereign rule. Uh, pilgrimage is to establish a mood of worship. Uh, royal, it portrays Christ as a sovereign ruler. Uh, wisdom, to instruct us to God's will. And then, then the imprecatory, uh, which is to invoke God's wrath and judgment uh, against your enemies, right? Uh, all right, some extra credit here. Um, maybe, there we go. All right, so uh, one thing we see in the Psalms. Okay. Oh, is it me bumping that? All right. There should have been a training class on this. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Good? All right. Uh, sorry about that. Okay, so some extra credit. So in the Psalms, uh, we see uh, God's character revealed, right? So he's accessible. He's delivering, eternal, glorious, good, gracious, holy, immutable, just. He's kind. He's long-suffering. Um, and I mean, there's a, there's a long list, right? Um, one thing that was interesting, I think this was in the handout as well, but the Psalms were uh, originally categories, uh, categorized into five books. Uh, so up there you can see the, the change uh, with the, the start of each book. So chapter 1, uh, 42, 73, 90, and 106. Uh, and in the, at the end, is it, everybody knows what a doxology is? So at the end of each book, so 41, 72, 89, and, and uh, 105 and 150, there's a, there's a doxology uh, that kind of brings the book of that, of that psalm to a close. Uh, for example, so in Psalm 41.13, it says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Uh, and, and one thing I thought that was interesting is, as I was reading on it, there's some like Jewish uh, tradition or history that kind of showed that uh, the reason the psalms were broke up into five books was to kind of mirror the, the Torah or the, the first five books of Moses. Um, and, and I think one reason for that is uh, there are psalms and there are hymns, but they're also, they're also meant for teaching, right? We can get doctrine uh, from the psalms. And so I think it's, it's kind of along those lines is, is part of why they had that broken up, to, to kind of group those together and, and show that. Uh, also in the psalms, you get, uh, there's, there's some 20 uh, messianic prophecies. Um, so you see that uh, in everything from the announcement of Christ uh, to his uh, betrayer uh, being replaced, right? So... So uh, we'll look at that uh, at, at that shortly, um, and we'll see that here. So, so why the Psalms, right? Um, so we talked about a little bit, but the Psalms are doctrine. Um, so you, you know, in Psalm one, you get meditate on the law. Um, that's its its use in the New Testament kind of demonstrates that. Um, so if you look at like at Luke twenty forty two, uh, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he's he's going to teach them about himself. And he says, uh, the Lord said to my Lord, right? So he's quoting from the Psalms to teach the Pharisees who he is. Uh, so there's, there's doctrine intended, there's teaching, right? Torah is, is law, but also simply Torah is teaching. And that's kind of that's what I was talking about earlier. Also in Acts 120, the disciples uh, are, are praying and, and kind of wondering what to do. 
and they quote from Psalm 109, and uh, they, get, uh, they get direction and guidance on replacing Judas uh, as, a, as an apostle. Um, and so they used it to teach themselves uh, about, uh, about what to do. Should I just kill it? Man, I, I, it's whatever. whatever works for you, I, I can, we'll, we'll, we'll try it, right? All right, so why else? Why else do we have the Psalms? So we know that it's for teaching, but we also know there's Psalms and hymns and songs, and so, so what's the point? Yeah, yeah, good. Is it, so I can use, no? So now I am super behind. Um, so I think so. All right. Uh, so we'll, we'll try to make it work, right? Okay. So, uh, but yeah, so as far as it's worship, it's meditation, it's, there's emotion, right? So uh, music is, music is something I think that is, is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting thing, right? More joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. Uh, Exultation. Uh, I will be glad and exult in you. Uh, fear. Serve the Lord with fear. Anger. Be angry and do not sin. Peace. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Uh, grief. My eye wastes away because of grief. Uh, desire. O Lord, or aff- affliction, excuse me. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. Hope. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Brokenheartedness. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Thankfulness. Gratitude. I will thank you in the great congregation. Zeal. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Pain. I'm afflicted in pain. Confidence. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. So I think part of it is, is we get those emotions, right? And there's more than that, obviously. Um, but I think uh, music does that, right? So I, I was thinking about it this week. Uh, actually, yesterday, was, I'm, I'm going to the softball game. I play on the softball team. And every week on the way to the softball game, I have this ritual. So my wife will laugh because it's, it's what I do. But I turn on uh, certain music because it's what I have to listen to because i got to get in the zone, right? But it's what that music does, right? you got to get ready, uh, ready for the game. But it's the same when we come here, right? So before service, we have worship. Uh, it's, you know, we, we wanna, it's, it brings out an emotion. Uh, we think about music from when we're... When we're younger, when we're growing up, you know, you can recall things that happen. I mean, I, I see it as I get older. It's just, you see things, you remember things that happen, and, and when the song is played, you know, it's, it just brings this emotion up and this, this thing that, that happens uh, through music. And I think that's part of what the Psalms are meant to do, right? So we don't, we don't want to read the Psalms just for doctrine because I think we're missing the point. So the Psalms are meant to be to bring out the emotion. And so that's what we have to be, that's what we have to keep in mind when we read it. That's what the psalmists were doing, right? They were, their job was to be in front of the tent, in front of the ark, and to sing to the Lord and bring out that emotion. Um, and so we'll, we'll look at it some more as we uh, keep going. But uh, let's, we're going to look at three psalms, right? So I think you guys uh, probably looked at them, um, but we'll, get, uh, we'll look at Psalm 150, Psalm 150. So the last, the last psalm. All right, so I'll read it. It says, Praise the Lord. 
Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, so this is a pretty good example of Hebrew poetry. Uh, so it's fairly obvious what kind of psalm this is. Does uh, anybody want to take a stab at uh, what? Say it like you know it. Right. All right. Yeah, praise, right? So, uh, so verse 1 uh, kind of contrasts. It's a contrasting couplet, right? So praise the Lord God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. So you've got here in, uh, on earth and you have in heaven, right? And the idea is that uh, heaven, whether it's, it's uh, uh, the sky or, or heaven where, where the Lord uh, and his angels are praising him, uh, the, I think the point, is that, um, uh, the point is that everywhere we praise the Lord, right? Uh, on, whether it's on earth or in heaven. Uh, verse 2, you kind of look at uh, uh, why we praise him, right? So we see where we praise him, now we see why we praise him. Uh, and and uh, it's an example of, of a synonymous parallelism. Uh, they, the two deeds here, mighty acts and excellent greatness. Um, and so that's, that's why we praise him, right? So we, we look to God and we see his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. And it causes us to, to praise and worship our Lord. Uh, and then one, one word that kind of stuck out to me, I was kind of curious uh, what, what your thoughts were here. Uh, according to. Does anybody know? I should change the slides so that you guys can see it. I forget. Uh, according to. So does anybody know what according to, like, uh, kind of what that means? Don't be shy. Yes. Okay, yeah, so I could say I heard something. So according to Joe, we're the best softball team around. But Okay, that's, yes, that's true. But there's also another meaning. Yeah, in proportion to, or, yeah. So I, I like this. Um, I like this, uh, this word when you see it in Scripture. Uh, it it kind of stands out. So I want to look at Ephesians 1. We don't have to turn there. I mean, you can. Uh, but Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Uh, so you see that's that same phrase. So, so our sins are forgiven, we have redemption, and it's all in, according to the riches of God's grace. So uh, I kinda, I've heard it explained that, you know, if, uh, if we're going to start a business and you have a, a rich uncle uh, and he's going to help you out, he might give you $200 to start your business, right? But that wouldn't really be giving according to his riches. That's kind of giving out of his riches, right? But if he gives you 50 grand to start the business, that might be more in line with giving according to his riches, right? So, so then the question is how do we praise how do we praise God according to his excellent greatness? We, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. And it, it's tough, right? So uh, I like what Matthew Henry had something to say here, so I'll, I'll read what he, uh, what he said. But uh, he said, Be not afraid of saying too much in the praises of God, as we often do in praising even great and good men. All the danger is of saying too little. And therefore, when we have done our utmost, we must own that though we have praised him in consideration of, yet not in proportion to his excellent greatness. So he's infinitely great. Uh, we're not, I don't think we're going to be praising him 
here uh, in, in proportion to his excellent greatness. Uh, but he is greatly to be praised. So, so that's, uh, I think that the idea there is, is to, to, be, to be praising him uh, greatly. All right, and then uh, so here, so then at the end uh, of verse uh, of the psalm, you see in verse three to five, this is kind of the, the how do we praise? Uh, and so he goes through a bunch of uh, a bunch of instruments, you know, the trumpet, the the harp, the lyre. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, right? And uh, I looked up some stuff, and I don't really know. I mean, there's a lot of churches that don't believe in using music and uh, our instruments in their in their worship and different things and I, I don't really even know if that's the point of the psalm I think it's more the psalmist goes through and he's, he's like his excellent deeds his mighty his greatness I mean there's this buildup of of praises the end of the psalm so it's it's kind of this buildup and I think it's just a matter of our hearts are so full that we praise God with everything that we have and so yeah the, the, he's talking about musical instruments but I think the point is that we're just it, our hearts overflow with praise uh, to our great God, right? And so that's, that's more, I think, uh, the point of the, of the psalm. And then uh, the last bit here, uh, real quick, is uh, who should praise, right? Uh, so in, in, uh, in verse 6, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So uh, whether it's referring to just, just, just men, just people, uh, or everything, I think the point is that uh, God created the animals uh, and to do something. They have a, a specific function. And when they're doing that, they're, they're praising him. Uh, he, he created us to do something. And so when we, when we do that, uh, we're praising him, right? And so we, uh, we let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then the buildup of the book, uh, of, of all the Psalms, and, and the last six books especially, uh, our last six chapters, excuse me, uh, kind of culminates to the, to the last bit there of praise the Lord. So... Uh, that, that's a fitting way to end the book of Psalms. Uh, okay, let's see if we're on time. We're close. All right, so we'll look at Psalm 136. So anybody want to take a stab at what kind of psalm this is? Psalm of Thanksgiving. Oh, Psalm of... What, what, what? That's a pretty good guess. <laughs> So the first words there, give thanks to the Lord. So that's, uh, that makes it fairly obvious. Yeah, so it's a psalm of thanksgiving. Uh, 26 times the psalmist says, uh, um, st- God's steadfast love endures forever. So we, we give thanks to God, and he goes through a bunch of different things uh, from creation to the deliverance from Egypt and so on, and we'll read it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's all about giving thanks to God for what he's done and what he's going to do. Um, so you can look at, there's first, uh, there's some verses here. Yeah, they're up there. Uh, first Chronicles uh, 1634, uh, when, when at the same time when David is appointing uh, Asaph and his brothers to be in front of the ark, uh, the song they sing, they say it there, uh, God's steadfast love endures forever. Um, and so, so that was the song they sang. And then in Second Chronicles 7, when Solomon is dedicating the temple, uh, same song, right? So the guys are in front of the temple, they're singing, and it's the, it's the same song there. And one that was really neat, uh, so in Second Chronicles 20, uh, Jehoshaphat's there, and he's going to war. And in verse uh, 12, he doesn't know what to do, right? He, he says, we have, we have no idea what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so they're, they're going to go to battle. And so most, most generals would probably put their, their infantry in the front uh, or their, their soldiers or their elite, whatever it might be, right? But uh, no, they, they put the, 
the uh, choir in the front of the army. And when they, when they marched into battle, they were singing, uh, God's steadfast love endures forever. You know, and, and it turned into a rout, and uh, they were actually, I was telling my wife, it was kind of neat, they, they were three days picking up the spoils of the battle. Uh, it's, just, it's just, I mean, it's a pretty neat uh, way to go into battle, right? But, so the way the psalm was originally uh, meant to be read, according to tradition, was it would be, it would be echoed. So the Levites in front of the temple or in front of the, the ark would sing the first part, and everybody else would sing the second part. So I hope you guys are ready because I need your help. All right, so we're going to do that. So I'll read the first part, but then you guys have to read the second part, okay? Are you ready? Has everybody got their, got their Bible out? Okay, so, so it'll go like this, right? So give thanks to the Lord for he is good. All right, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll agree on a version here. We'll just say, for his steadfast love endures forever. Because everybody has a different version. Okay, so here we go. Give thanks to the God of gods. All right. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. You're doing really good. The sun to rule by day. And the moon and stars to rule by night. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. And brought Israel out from their midst. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who smote great kings. And slew mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant. All right, now it's, now it's on to, to more general here. Who remembered us in our low estate. And has rescued us from our adversaries. Who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. All right. Good job. That was good. All right. So. Come on now. All right. So uh, we'll look at the psalm here. I'll just kind of break it down. Uh, real quick. So at first, there's a call to give thanks, right? So verse 1 to 3, the psalmist kind of urges the reader, oh, give thanks, right? I mean, that's just, that's how it is, right? And we have three items. So it's the, because God is good, because God is the God of gods, and he's the Lord of lords. So he is the, the supreme good, and he is exalted above any deity and above any king, right? And so what more do we need to give thanks to God for? Uh, 
uh, in, that, in that respect. Uh, and then we have uh, the cause for thankfulness here. So verses 4 to 22 kind of show uh, why, or the cause for, for giving thanks. And he walks through, you got six verses that, that give thanks for creation. So he walks through everything. I mean, and, and the one that stands out is verse 5, to him who made the heavens with skill, right? I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a skillful artist, and he made the heavens, and then it walks through with the sun and the waters and everything uh, as, as a cause for giving thanks. And then the next six are for the deliverance from Egypt. Uh, and so as the, the Israelites would sing this, obviously that, that, that means a little more to them. Uh, but, but it walks through that whole, that whole aspect from, from, from freedom from Egypt to delivering them in the Red Sea and, and everything. And then they're in the wilderness. And so now you have seven notes of thanks to God uh, for bringing them through the wilderness and into the promised land uh, of Canaan. And then uh, the, last, uh, the last couple verses there are the concluding thankfulness here in verse, uh, verses 23 to 26. Uh, and so 23 to 24, they're verses uh, giving thanks for our current and continuing mercies uh, and that we're rescued from our lowly state, right? So even while we're still sinners, Christ died for us, right? And then in verse 25, it's a note of thanksgiving to God for his providence uh, in uh, providing uh, our food, right? So we've got to eat, and the Lord is good to give us, uh, to give us that. And then uh, verse 26, it's a final request for thanksgiving. Uh, as a proper response for, for the great and mighty things of the Lord, the God of heaven, right? Uh, and so that's, uh, so everything that he's done and, and will continue to do uh, is a way to, to give thanks. Uh, and then just real quick on this, I thought this was kind of interesting as I was looking this up. Uh, I found that uh, the psalm's called the great, the great Hallel. Uh, so it's, uh, I'm not even going to, Hallel Haggadol. Uh, that's probably really bad, but... Uh, it, it was recited on the evening of the Passover, and they would actually recite that as the Passover lamb uh, was being sacrificed. And so uh, it's, it's thought that this could potentially be. So in Matthew 26, 30, uh, Jesus having the Last Supper with his disciples. They finished that up, and it says when they sang a hymn, they went out, and they went to the Mount of Olives. And, and so it's, it's possible uh, that this could be the hymn that they sang. So it was tradition to sing this hymn. Uh, on the, the night of Passover. Uh, so it's very likely that this is what they were singing about God's, about God's goodness uh, as Christ was, was headed to the, to the end there. So I, I found that kind of interesting. And then uh, Spurgeon, uh, i got to put a quote in here. Uh, so he says that uh, he hath done all things from this motive, speaking about his, his steadfast love enduring forever. Uh, he's done all things from this motive, and because his mercy never ceases... He will continue to multiply deeds of love world without end. Let us with all our powers of heart and tongue give thanks under the holy name of Jehovah forever and ever. So, all right. So now we'll look. We got uh, one more and we're pretty close here. We're going to be okay. All right. Psalm 43. So anybody want to take a guess or a stab at uh, what this psalm is? What category? Yes. Deliverance? Okay. Yeah. Could be. Yeah, I, I put it more of a lament. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's asking to be delivered at the beginning. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a depressing uh, psalm here. Uh, at the end, it gets good uh, as he, as he kind of talks to himself there. But uh, it is, it is uh, definitely, he's definitely in a, in a pit of despair uh, at this point here. Uh, so I'll read through the psalm, and then, uh, and then we'll look at it a little bit. Uh, so it says here in verse 1, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre I will praise you, O God my God. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why are you disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So uh, it's thought that uh, Psalm 42 kind of carries the same same writing style, kind of the same. There's a lot of that. So in verse 5, why are you in despair, O my soul? In verse 5 of 42 and verse 11, it's the same. uh, It's the same. He's saying the same thing there. so it's thought that maybe those in some of the earlier manuscripts, they are actually combined as one psalm. But I, I don't necessarily know if that's the case. But uh, at any rate, uh, the writer uh, definitely had something going on. And he kinda, you kind of walk through it, and there's almost like a progression uh, that you see. So in, in verse uh, in 42, he's, he's drowning uh, in his despair. And verse 7, you can see that. And then in, first, in verse 3, it says he just feasts on his tears. Uh, my tears have been my food day and night, right? He tries to recall the times he went to the temple uh, to worship, but the despair is too heavy, you know? And, and he, it's almost like he's going to come out of it. Uh, in verse 8 and 42, he says, The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. And then in verse 9, I'll say to God, my rock, and you think this is it, he's going to come out of it, and why have you forgotten me? You know, it just like it just can't uh, get out of the despair uh, of the pit of despondency that he's in. Um, but then he kind of continues it in, in 43. Uh, so whether or not they're the they're they should be combined as one psalm, it, it, the point is like you kind of see the progression that he's making as 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 he works through the spiritual depression and the the uh, the attack that he's under there. Um, so Psalm 43. Uh, could possibly be uh, a prophecy for the Babylonian captivity uh, when it talks about the unjust nation. Uh, it could be possibly in reference uh, David writing due to Saul or Absalom uh, when, he's, when he's being hunted and he's on the run. Uh, obviously, those are pretty intense situations that you would, uh, that you would be in. But I think, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the bigger point that's regardless of what exactly is going on, uh, the point is that we see the emotion of of the psalmist right so i mean he is he is in deep spiritual depression it is uh it's not uh it's he's not upset because uh something minor it, it's definitely it's definitely something that that has him very very troubled uh so we'll look at uh, the verses here so uh verse maybe oh there it goes so in verse, uh, verses uh, 1 to 4, it's prayers to God. So the psalmist cries out in regard to his suffering. Uh, he asks for his wrongs to be righted, uh, and he asks for his rights to be restored, the proper and appropriate things, right? Not, not his rights, but those things that he used to do that are, that are good and, and proper uh, in verses 3 and 4. So 
Uh, in verses 1 and 2, um, the psalmist asked for God to vindicate him. So anybody know could vindicate what vindicate means? What's that? To be, I didn't hear it. Yeah. So, yeah, so if we look at, uh, so if we look at Psalm, or Psalm, 1 Samuel uh, 24, let's see if I can do it without losing my other spot, uh, 24, 15, so it's kind of the same, same idea here, so David is on the run, uh, Saul is hunting him, uh, David and his guys are camped out in the back of a cave, and Saul comes in to uh, take care of some business, and in verse 15, uh, David actually then cuts off a corner of his robe, right? So everybody kind of remembers that, uh, that story. So he sneaks up. The guys are telling him to kill him. He, he doesn't want to do that. It's, uh, he's appointed by the Lord. Uh, and so he's going to come in, and, and he cuts off a corner of his robe, and then he calls out to him. And he says, hey, Saul, I could have killed you, and I didn't. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so it's different now, right? So now all of a sudden Saul's tone changed. But, uh, but in, 15, in verse 15, you see the same thing. So David says, to Saul, he's saying, The Lord, therefore, be judge and decide between you and me, and may he see and plead my cause and deliver me from your hand. So it's, uh, that's the idea uh, of vindicate there um, that, that's, that's going on. Um, and then in verse 3 and 4, uh, you see the psalmist kind of begin to ask for the, the right things to be restored in his life. Uh, so he's, he, now he's asking God here, to send out his light and his truth and let them, lead, let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I'll go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the lyre, I shall praise you, O God, my God. So he's, he's remembered what he used to do, how it used to be. He'd go in and worship, and now he's back, and he wants that. And so he's asking for the Lord's guidance and help to get him there. And, and, and one thing that stands out there is, uh, then I'll go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I think um, I think some of the some of the issues that uh, we can run into is God is not necessarily always our exceeding joy, right? Um, so we, we look to other things and, and kind of put those in front of God. And since uh, since material things and people disappoint, uh, depression and, and despair can can come right along with that. So I, I like that that he he's asking to, to for God to be his exceeding joy. Uh, and then. Uh, so now the third time the psalmist talks to himself here, and uh, in verse five, things working now. There we go. Uh, so he gives himself a pep talk, right? So why are you in despair, O oh my soul, and why are you you disquieted, disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. Right. So uh, the idea is that he's 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 questioning it. He's he's arguing with himself but he's talking to himself right he's not listening to himself we'll, we'll, we'll kind of look at that a little bit but he he talks to himself and he, he tells himself to hope in god and hope is looking to the future right so we know that god is uh going to provide uh he's promised that um and so that's what we have to do is we have to hope in god and look to that future uh but a couple questions that i was kind of pondering uh is the psalmist is he is he wrong to lament this way um, so he says that, uh, he, he's saying that God's rejected him, right? God cast him off in 42. So, I mean, is it, is it wrong to, to think that? Is it wrong to feel that? Is it wrong to kind of write that out there? And no, I see head shaking. Yeah. Well, I think it's a good thing to point out that he didn't have a life changing experience. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, so we're done. That's what I wrote down. So we'll just, uh, we'll close in prayer and be, thank you. No, that's awesome. That's exactly what I, I, I mean, I put that there is right as in Psalm 94, 14, uh, it says that the, for the Lord will not cast off his people. Um, we know that, that God has promised to never leave us or forsake us. Right. But that doesn't negate the fact that we, we feel that way. I mean, there's things that happen and, and we remember the Psalms are, a, it's a book of emotion, right? I mean, and that's, that's emotion that we all will feel. This one really stuck out to me. I think it's, it's something that, uh, this is something that we all will wrestle with uh, at some point. Um, and, and how we respond and the, and the way we act is, 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 is going to determine whether we continue in the faith or whether we, I mean, whatever it is, right? And, and, and they're not things to take lightly. And there's nothing wrong with, with asking God and, and just wrestling with that and, and, and working through that. Right. Everybody hear that? That was really good. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, you, got, you can't sit in the back, man. You got to scoot up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's basically, uh, it, it, it's not, we're not, our, our faith, it doesn't, it, we're not fake, right? It's not, we're not, uh, it's not some promise of always going to be happy and good and, and, and we're, we got to wrestle with that and it gives us the, the hope that it's, that it's real and, and we can, we can work through it and, and, uh, yeah, so I will, uh, I'll read a quote here, uh, again, by Spurgeon. So uh, I'm sure most people probably know, um, but, but uh, Charles Spurgeon kind of suffered with depression quite a bit. Uh, he, uh, he had gout and all kinds of different things, and he, so he, was, he, was, he suffered uh, severely with depression. And uh, I, I like this quote from him because it's, uh, well, I'll just read it. So it says, causeless depression cannot be reasoned with. Nor can David's harp charm it away by sweet discoursing. So that's kind of hopeless. As well as fight with the mist, as with this shapeless, undefinable, yet all beclouding hopelessness. The iron bolt, which so mysteriously fastens the door of hope and holds our spirit in gloomy prison, needs a heavenly hand to push it back. Uh, so then the question is, how do, we, uh, how do we do that? How do we fight, uh, how do we fight that? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And so, and that's that's a good uh, that's a good point, right? So we're not God, and and it shows us what we need. Uh, and so as we go to Him in prayer, and I put up here Future Grace. Uh, 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 John Piper wrote a book called Future Grace, and I kind of got some ideas from that. But it's that praying to God and hoping uh, in God, and 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 for faith for the future that of what He promised to deliver. Uh, and so. Um, so the psalmist kind of goes through this hopeless, uh, he's hopeless, right? I mean, in other psalms, it's, it's, there's no joy after weeping. There's no mourning after night. 
uh, no purpose, all is gathering gloom, it's darker and darker, right? You could just, it's this washing machine that you can't get out of. Uh, and, and you struggle and you, and you fight to get out of it, um, but you can't, right? We're not God and we can't do it on our own, and it does show that we, we need him. Uh, but then you start to question whether God even loves you. I mean, it, I mean, these are things that we wrestle with, right? And it's not possible for him to love me if I'm going. If there either isn't a God or he's not good because of what I'm going through. And these are, these are things that we wrestle with uh, through that. But, but the psalmist in 76, 26, he says, But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so one of the tools that I, I thought about that we use to, to fight it is future grace, right? It's kind of what uh, uh, Piper says here is... Um, we look to the we look to the future, right? We have promises that we uh, that we know that God is going to provide, right? So the biggest thing we can do is hope in God. Uh, we have to preach that to ourselves. Uh, so the problem we have is we listen to ourselves more than we talk to ourselves, right? I think we've we've kind of heard that, uh, but but that's the that's the thing, right? So so the psalmist three different times he tells himself, "Why are you in despair? Why are you disturbed? Hope in God. Uh, it's not going to happen, right?" He, he continues to wrestle with it. Uh, all through 42, at the end of 42, all through 43, uh, before he finally, you know, you know, maybe he gets out of that. And, and uh, but it, I think it's that guidance that we have there that shows uh, what it is that we're supposed to be doing um, and how we're supposed to be dealing with it. Uh, so Martin Lloyd Jones had a quote here, uh, so I'll put that up, uh, kind of about this same idea. Um, all right, so we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Now, the psalmist's treatment was this. Self, listen. For a moment, I will speak to you. Why art, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? And then you must go on to remind yourself of God, what God has pledged himself to do. Then, having done that, say with this man, I shall yet praise him for the help of my countenance. Uh, so the last thought is kind of like that. I don't, I don't think that this is something that, that comes naturally. Um, it's much easier to sit in despair uh, and just to, to just let it happen. Um, woe is me. Um, so I think it's something that we have to work at, right? It, it takes diligence. It takes discipline. It takes the body uh, to be there for us. Uh, and, and like I said, I don't, there's nothing wrong with these feelings. It's, it's the psalmist. It's the emotion that we get uh, when we read the psalms. Um, I mean, even, even Christ, right? So he's in the garden, and he, he's in despair, uh, he's asking the cup to pass. Um, if, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. Um, yet, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. And he, and he, he knows, right? So he trusted the Lord uh, in the promise that he was going to be exalted to the right hand of the Father. Uh, he'd be given a name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, right? And every tongue would confess. Uh, and, and we're no different. So, uh, we have promises throughout Scripture. Uh, we, Ephesians one, right? I mean, that's a that's kind of a go to, a go to passage for that. But if we you you open to Ephesians one and you read through, uh, the first thirteen verses, and man, we have promise after promise after promise, 
that the Lord has, has promised to give to his children. Uh, and, and, and while it doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that we're going we're gonna to suffer, right, and, and we're going to have these, these feelings and these thoughts, it is something that we can use to battle that, right? We, we have hope for the future, right? We can hope in God. Uh, so with that, are there any questions or comments or concerns from anybody? Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah, we're not alone, right? And, and David, everybody hear that? I don't want to repeat it if everybody heard it. Okay. Any other, any other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Excellent. Yeah, um, what's so beautiful about what we've been studying this morning is, and these songs of lament, as we share our real life. I mean, a brother shared with me on Thursday night, Don't I'm at my wit's end. I'm at my wit's end. Yesterday, there were three funerals in Riverside. Parents burying 19 and 20-year-old sons just real. It's real life. Um, just crying out. Um, but what's so beautiful about it is how David, I think without exception, in every psalm of lament, at the end, he always goes back to worship. Yeah. And that's the, the beautiful model. But as, you know, parents in their 50s burying their 20-year-old son, where do they go with that? God that's sovereign, that's over these things. They have to, at the end of the day, go to their faces and cry out and worship. How hard is that? Yeah, it's very real. Yeah, it's very real, very hard, and uh, we definitely can't do it. Can't do it alone, right? I mean, it's. Joe, uh, did you have something?
Yeah, thank you. Uh, all right, any other thoughts? All right, so we did it with all the trouble. Uh, <clears throat> no, but thank you. Thank you, everyone, for, for participating, uh, for, for reading along with me there, uh, and, and for your thoughts. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it, was, it was awesome to be up here and to get to share some, some thoughts. So why don't we pray, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be done. God you, God, you are good, and uh, you are greatly to be praised, and we, we thank you for the Psalms, and uh, just for, for everything that's contained there, Lord, your character, your attributes, um, the promises that we have, the, the despair that's there, Lord, so we can learn from it and, 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 and share in it and grow uh, in, our, in our walk with you, Lord, and Lord, I just pray um, for all of us here, Lord, as we Undoubtedly, we'll suffer with difficult times, and we'll go through good times, Lord, and that we would be we would be mindful and, and cognizant of your goodness, and we would be, as Alan pointed out, Lord, just reminding ourselves daily of your goodness to us and be, be praising you for that uh, and preparing our hearts for times of trouble uh, that come unannounced, Lord. It would help us to, to have faith in your future grace that's coming. Um, you've never let us down in the past, and we know that that is true also of the future. Um, Lord, we have examples in Scripture of your faithfulness, and so let us cling to that and cling to you, Lord. And, and I just pray that you would become our exceeding joy um, as we walk through each day, Father. We, we praise you, we love you, and we say this in Jesus' name. Amen.